Hi, my friends. Thanks, Chris. Just sorting out my PowerPoint here. Can you see that if I stand here? Lovely. Good. Hello. My name's Charlie. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you. This is the first time I've done it um, on, on a Sunday morning like this. In kind of, I've been here nearly a year now. It's been a year marked by COVID. Um, I just want to say to anyone who feels like they're at their rock bottom this morning that uh, if you ever find yourself dribbling through a mouthful of cloves pegs, just just so you know that you too might one day be, uh, or just 20 minutes later, bringing the word of God to your community, your people. So uh, it's been a fine promotion this morning from uh, one extreme to the other. I'm going to be speaking out of James chapter 1, starting at verse 19. And that's where we're going to start. I'm going to read it to you now. James chapter 1, starting at verse 19. James says to us, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely, merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and then continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Like Chris said, this is part of the series in the book of James um, that we're in. And um, I'm not sure if you've been following along. Um, I'm not sure how you've been experiencing it. Um, I think that the book of James is a little bit of um, a Marmite book, if you're allowed to say that. I think some people absolutely love it. It's like one of their favorite New Testament books. Um, I personally find it um, quite, not not necessarily hard, but I think that um, James's style is, is a little bit like someone shooting an automatic machine gun from the hip. It's like quite punchy. It hurts a bit sometimes. Sometimes it gets you. Uh, and it's quite scattergun. He covers a lot of ground. He's He's quite... I guess in modern terms, we would call him like a robust communicator. Um, and so there's there's also no clear structure or narrative. So sometimes it can feel like, you know, you're just kind of rolling through it and trying to roll with the punches a little bit. He says these quite um, uh, straight, blunt statements. He says things like, faith without works is dead. He says things like, um, the money of the wealthy is rotten and is corrupting you. He says things like, you need to get hold of your tongue. You need to tame your tongue. He's kind of, he's kind of blunt. 
Um, but I've actually really appreciated it that in these last few days, especially in, in preparing for this talk, I think that we kind of need that. That's why his voice is part of the canon of scripture. It's not the only way to communicate uh, as a Christian, uh, as a teacher. But I think we kind of need that, don't we? We need that voice in our community. He is straight with us because he knows that we need to be straight with one another. And so today is like an honest conversation with the Apostle James about anger. And so I stand here before you today as the youth pastor of this church. I, I'm, that's that's, that's um, an important thing in this community, isn't it? And, and so I just want to say at the outset of this, that if you, if you ever see anything in my words or in my conduct where, where you think that it smacks of pride or deceit or of anger or of envy or of any of those things, I, I need you to tell me. I, I need you to, to emulate James in his robust communication, in calling a spade a spade. I need you to tell me. And if you don't know me very well, then you can just email Chris and he'll have that, that conversation with me. But that's what James is, is calling us to. This is point number one on my PowerPoint here, is to call it a spade a spade. Can you just bring that round a bit? It's not quite yeah, where do you want bring it? Bring it a bit nearer, a little bit square. Somewhere like that? Yeah, that's yeah, great. This is essential that you see this, obviously. My badly written scroll that I threw together just before on the flip chart. We, we need that, don't we, in our community. We need that um, to be just part of the way that we operate. So this is an honest conversation with the Apostle James about anger that's happening here at the end of chapter one. Um, and the reason that he wants us to be straight and blunt about anger is that he knows that anger is often a really important signpost to what's really going on in the human heart, isn't it? To what's truly going on inside of me. Because anger is most often a manifestation of things like trauma or shame or loneliness or insecurity. And these are the things, the exciting thing is that those things are the things that God really is, cares about and wants to heal in us. God is really interested in getting to the heart of those things. So anger is this kind of outward manifestation of all sorts of stuff that God really, really wants a light to be shone on for our good. I want to just acknowledge as well that this is, in a way, holy ground. And I don't have like a theological whole thesis on, on why I think that talking about anger is holy ground. But just I think from my experience of um, working in sort of adolescent mental health for the last sort of six or seven years, working in, in, in those quite um, intimate places where you're talking quite honestly with a person about what's going on. I think that when a person truly shares their anger, when they truly share what's going on underneath with another person, that's really significant. And it's, it's spiritual. That's delicate stuff. That is fragile ground. And so two things here that I, I want to try and do. Number one, I want to try and emulate 
the Apostle James's honesty and in a sense his, his bluntness. I want to bring anger into the room and I want to sit it down so that we can talk to it and understand it and so that we can know God's healing. We want to be really straight about that. We want to be a community that, that is not backward uh, about uh, revealing what's in the heart and letting God and one another minister to that place. But number two, I also want to acknowledge this is really, really delicate territory. This is like the very, the very heart of us, the very worst of us in, in a lot of cases. And so um, I want to, I want to go carefully while also put, calling us into more. I think anger is often us at our most honest, isn't it? Ang- anger is often uh, revealing. Um, often it reveals stuff that we didn't even know was inside of us about our desires, about our values, uh, about our priorities, about our desire to control things a certain way. But the cool thing about that is I, I can't think of a better place to begin a relationship with God than honesty, than genuine honesty, than a true desire to call a spade a spade in my own heart and to say what's going on, what's corrupt, what, what's missing, what's insecure. Because to know that we're loved as we truly are requires us to bring ourselves as we truly are. If we're ever going to know that we're loved just as we are right now, because of the grace of God, we have to actually bring the reality of what it is that we are and and what we carry. And that actually makes anger the most incredible opportunity because it's a way into myself. If I'm willing to call a a, a spade a spade, if I'm willing to reflect on my anger and I can trace that back in myself, and understand myself in all of my fragility, in all of my insecurity, all of my shame, all of the stuff that's fueling that anger, then I can bring that stuff to God for his healing. It's this most amazing reflective moment. The last time I got really, really angry about something was trying to put up an IKEA flat pack baby changing unit. Um... And I could make this sort of like into a funny story. Um, I could probably make you laugh telling you all of the things that I said and did and what happened. But I think that would kind of downplay how scary it is for me and for my wife when that is un- unleashed in me. Like, you know, that, that sense of losing control. of being so angry that you say things that are just completely against your values. Or you, you feel things that are so ugly that you don't really want to look at them. So I could make that a funny story, but actually what it's really about, or what it was really about for me, is being made to feel stupid, being made to feel powerless. Those are quite deep things in my life. Those are quite deep-rooted, what we would call, if you're aware of living free, the course that we run here at Hope, it would be quite deep strongholds, really, in me. Um, And anger and sort of stress just highlighted that again to me. So, you know, I could make funny jokes about how, you know, you don't know what the state of your marriage is until you do IKEA flat pack together. But actually, it's really, it's horrible, isn't it? That, that visceral feeling within us as we realise um, how flawed we really are. 
So anger is this most incredible opportunity to reflect on those things and to be met by God as we truly are. And James makes it sound so easy because he's writing a letter that he's trying to get out to the churches and who knows what kind of stuff was going on around him in his life. But he is trying to hit a bunch of bullet points, uh, one of which is our relationship to anger and how we deal with it. He makes it sound so easy. He says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires or desires rather. And it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just like bin off your anger, get rid of it, it's no good. And it is simple, but it isn't easy. And I think James knows that it's not easy. Because this is a lifelong pursuit. The book of James is a, a letter to come back to again and again and to reflect on where we are. And it takes a real spiritual honesty and ability to call a spade a spade to keep coming back to your own heart and say, say there's still work to be done in me here. There's still work to be done in me here and here. And I'm going to keep doing that. I, I, I hate the idea, there used to be a show called Grumpy Old Men on BBC when I was a teenager. And I, it, it kind of plays on that idea that when you get old, you just get stubborn and set in your ways. I hate that idea that that might be just a part of any one of our journeys as people that follow Jesus. Because actually this is a lifelong pursuit to keep on pursuing repentance, pursuing uh, healing in these areas, to say there's more of God uh, to, to come in and more of me to go out, more of my stubbornness, my insecurity to go out. So James says that anger can be the thing that, that lead or, or healthy uh, understanding of our anger can lead to the life that God desires for us. He says the righteous life that God desires for us. And, and really, um, that's the life that we all desire, isn't it? That's the life that all humans desire, whether they would articulate it in the way that I and we do uh, or not. That is the life that all humans desire to be pure, to be free from the self, to be righteous, and to be and to be known truly deeply, to be healed in those deep, dark places that only the Holy Spirit can go. So your anger is the most incredible opportunity for an encounter with God. If we can reflect on these moments where we lose control, it's the most incredible opportunity for worship and repentance and change. So that's number one. We have to learn to call a spade a spade, to be real, just to be real about who we are. That, that honesty forming the bedrock of our community as a church, but also our relationship with God as individuals. Number two, learn to yearn. Learn to yearn. And that's the best line in the whole thing. It's like that's been going around my head all week. Um, it sounds like a proper like American preacher, doesn't it? That? Um, it's pithy. It's tweetable. It sort of sounds deep, but also could be meaningless. Um, so learn to yearn. What do I mean? I, I heard a historian say, I can't remember who it was, but I, I, it's one of those things in my memory. I heard a historian um, try and answer the question years ago. Um, why were there so many wars in Europe throughout the centuries? Why, why were sort of France and Britain and Spain just constantly at war with one another? Um, and his answer, like his genuine answer, was because they didn't have television back then. Um, 
And I think that was, I think he was saying that probably before sort of internet and smartphone and stuff like that. So um, you could definitely extend it to those things as well. But he basically said the reason that there was loads of wars and like colonial powers just kind of going nuts and rampaging all over the world was because they didn't have TV. And he was kind of joking, but he, he was also sort of saying, you know, back in those days, uh, unless you were going to sit in a room and read or play the piano uh, and things like that, um, then then people were looking for pursuits. People were looking for something to fill that restlessness that's in the human heart. You know, that, that idea that when we sit still with ourselves, there's a, there's a yearning, there's a, a, a restlessness uh, going on within us. And we all know what that feels like, don't we? Like when, when your book is finished or your TV series is finished and, and you're sat around and you're just looking to reach for something that will satiate that feeling of sitting with yourself in a quiet room. And now, of course, not to get too Marxist about it, but now, of course, we have this whole industry of mass entertainment where where companies have got really, really good at satiating, uh, uh, sedating or numbing that that, uh, restlessness within the human spirit, that natural hunger. These things are designed to temporarily meet our spiritual longings. There's a yearning in us that shouldn't be numbed. There's a yearning in us that shouldn't be sedated by um, warmongering or Netflix, whatever it might look like for you in your century. Because that, that yearning is crucial for us. It's crucial that we understand it, that we're intimate with it and articulate in it. Because that longing is the longing for the true state of things. That longing is kind of, uh, we all know that feeling of being homesick, don't we? You know, if you ever went on sleepovers as a kid and and you felt like just weird about, like, this isn't my home, these are not my parents, that's not my bed. She doesn't make spaghetti bolognese like my mum does. That homesickness you feel in your body, that that is a homesickness as as much as we as Christians have a restored relationship with God. We live in a world that still is not reconciled to him. We're still not in our home. We've got that longing in us. It, it sits in our chests. Jesus calls it spiritual hunger and thirst. He calls it that in the Sermon on the Mount and in his, account, in his um, encounter with the woman at the well. He calls it a thirst. He talks about like that gnawing hunger and thirst spiritually inside of you. Paul calls it groaning in Romans. He talks about the groaning of all creation, that longing in all of us for restoration. John Paul Sartre, not a Christian, an atheist, he calls it nausea. And kids probably call it boredom. The restlessness of the human spirit. And we have two options with that longing that's in us, that longing for our home, that longing to be back in Design, how we were designed to be in, in reconciliation with God. Two options. Number one, we can suppress it. We can suppress it. We can distract ourselves. We can get busy. Uh, we can get busy with, you know, all the usual sort of typical things like, like work and um, TV and family and home and stuff. But, but also we can get busy often with Christian stuff. 
often when we're not we're not pressing into that yearning, we're we're suppressing it. We just want it to go away. I promise you that leads to anger. I promise you eventually that disillusionment just builds and it will pop out in other areas. We'll see it in other ways, in our mental health, in our conduct, in the way that we think about people, the way that we see the world. Or we can allow that yearning to be the most phenomenal gateway to prayer. That, that yearning, that longing for better, that's like the engine of an intercessor, isn't it? That's what underpins so much of um, just the, the, the great holy people that we see in the Bible. People, in fact, like Jesus, who even though he was fully God, fully connected to the Father, he still fasted and he still retreated into silence. He still pressed into those things. Um, he still pressed into that, that, those feelings of yearning. He still allowed um, that longing to build in him by, by doing those practices. And so at a time like COVID, that, that's, that's an incredibly important spiritual principle, isn't it? It's incredibly important that it's okay for our prayers to start with restlessness and longing. It's okay that that things are not yet as they should be. It's that not yet of the kingdom. We talk about the now and the not yet of the work that Jesus has done for us. When I was 25, I was off work for a year. Um, I, I, I finished um, training as a social worker and um, just because of some things that were going on, um, I... I um, I had depression and I, I couldn't go go to I couldn't get a, a job. I, I I didn't try. I ne- I needed to to have a break at that point for twelve months. And then even when I did go back to work, it was um, two and a half days a week initially. Um, it was for this great organisation and it was exactly where I was supposed to be. But it was really hard for probably another two years. Um, and I felt like my 20s were passing me by. And I started to feel like, as a newlywed, um, really, that maybe this is just how I'll always be. Maybe I won't be able to contribute like in the way that I want to, to this family. And may- maybe just this is it for me. This is, maybe this is what it looks like for me now. And... Um, I don't know if you've ever had a, a situation in your life where you're just longing for something to change and you begin to wonder if it ever will. And that hunger, that yearning in you for restoration, for, um, for healing just grows and grows and grows. I would say on reflection of that time now, in, in the place that my life is in now, I, I, I couldn't have asked for a better crash course in in prayer, really, and in, and in knowing God than that season of longing, that season of yearning, um, that season of waiting, pressing in. Because it can either shipwreck you and you can it can put you off God forever, or it can keep pushing you into um, intercession, into worship, into in, into longing. It grows your appetite for the Lord in the most incredible way. 
James says in verses 23 and 24, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the law that gives freedom and continues to do this, this, like I was saying, this lifelong pursuit of spiritual honesty, of tracing back the anger and, and, and the hurt and the shame, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He will be blessed in what he does. That tenacity, that determination to keep pressing into more of the righteous life that God has for you. And so some questions for you here as we finish. Are we seeing ourselves clearly? Are we looking at ourselves honestly, calling a spade a spade? Have we traced the anger back and understood the fragilities and the insecurities in us? And as we look to scripture, to our community, to the Holy Spirit, do we understand yet how loved we are in that stuff? That we can boldly approach the Father and ask to be healed and that nothing is hidden from him anyway? (laughs) Or are we too quick to walk away from the mirror? Too quick to feed our spirits with something easier, something which numbs that yearning, that longing for God, which which he needs to meet and only he can, because we're designed for him. So we need to listen carefully to James, who's our father in the faith, who is Jesus' brother, probably spent more minutes in Jesus' company than almost anyone else. Because the word of God here is offering us the chance to see ourselves as we are. So there's an opportunity here for us as a community to pray. Um, I've written a prayer here from from these verses in James chapter 1. There's an opportunity for us as a community to say yes to that um, and to come together in repentance and openness before God and a willingness for him to meet some stuff that we've never let him into before. So if you would like to um, make that prayer your own, um, you can lay a hand on your, your own heart now. You can hold your hands out um, as I just read this prayer uh, before God. Um, we are going to commit to be a community that calls a spade a spade, especially in this time of COVID. We need each other so much. It's so easy to be hidden um, from the people that love us and would call us higher. It's important that, we, that we're, we're open books before God and each other. So let's just pray. Father, teach us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Teach us to trust you with our anger so that we can enjoy the righteous life that you desire for us. Help us get to the heart of the filth and the evil that is within us and make us humble to receive your healing. We long to see ourselves clearly to be challenged daily by your word and your spirit to bring you our baggage and our pain. And so, Lord, would you mark us as a community of honesty, willing to speak clearly and lovingly at all times, supporting one another to be doers of the world, doers of the word and pursuers of your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to see you.
Thanks, Charlie. That was great, wasn't it? Really, really special to hear some of Charlie's story and um, get to know him a bit better. And and yeah, that real isn't that an encouragement? I'm sure that for loads of us, um, lockdown, COVID, this last year is bringing up all sorts of stuff. And the the permission, the encouragement Charlie gives us is to when that happens, not to run away from it or distract from it, but actually to be real about it. And I love that verse at the end, of 20, verse 27, 26, it says, pure religion is this. So often religious, religion is painted as being this kind of act, isn't it? You kind of do the right things, you put on the show, you go to the right events. Um, but James saying there, and I think this is the crux of what Charlie was saying, is pure religion is actually none of that. It's not to put on a show, it's to be real. And when we're real about our brokenness and our rawness, that the way to deal with that is to take it to Jesus and be changed. And so, so cool hearing Charlie's story of, of change. So that's the encouragement um, for us all, I think, you know, and other, there'll be other nuances and other richness in what Charlie said that spoke to you. Um, I've just posted again the link to our, um, to our Zoom space. So it's, it's a good opportunity to jump into Zoom in a few minutes if you'd like to, and you could pray for anything that's particularly come up um, for you personally. Uh, or you can just have a chat about the snow with people. Um, but that's available there if you'd like, if you'd like that space. Uh, there. Great. So good to be with you. And uh, we'll be back again for our live stream like this next week.